Hi, Alex. Hi, Jan. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. How are you? How was I'm your okay. week? Uh, I don't really remember this week too well, but everything's fine. The birthday party is over and in the past now, so I can start moving on with my life. <laughs> I had a parenting insecurity this week. Shocking. <laughs> yes. I know. Sometimes I know. it happens to me that, you know, I look at, uh, you know, other parents and I see what they're doing. And it's kind of make me feel insecure. Maybe I'm not doing enough for my kids and I want to. I want to give them everything. I think you're doing different things for your kids than parent than a lot of other parents do. The thing the thing that Jan had trouble with especially was the recognition that other parents take their kids far away more often yes, than we and do. We don't. We don't. We don't why, travel. Why don't very we far. do it? Uh, it's a misery to put the kids in the car and drive they're, them long distances yes, and then when they're, they're three they're so three and then when they're far away if the shit hits the fan and that can literally happen when you have <laughs> twins uh, you know then you're far away from home and it's frustrating and it's worrying uh, I will point out two things though uh, uh, on the plus side of us one is we do a lot of other very creative things uh, that are different from you You know taking them to to different attractions in the distance and two is once a year we take them to the other side of the planet and that makes up for all of the trips to you know Legoland or whatever that we may know we do. do we will take them to Legoland but not actually yes um, so remember our dilemma from last week at Target yes of course yes should be should we comment on a couple that was in front of us in line and Um, and risk and you know being told to mind mind our own business they were buying teething gel which is yep. uh, not allowed for babies um, and we didn't know what to do so I posed that question into the gay fathers group we got a lot of responses really? let me tell you Alex I was wrong was I wrong you are in the one percent you <laughs> of course you, I'm in the one percent. You're in the one percent who will tap on that man's shoulder and tell him, "Listen, this is dangerous for your baby." So Nin- did the other ones think I'm an 90- asshole or did they just not have the balls I'll tell you to in a minute it? they they just use four letters to describe you. Wait, shit M- I'm a shit m y o b mind your own business yes ninety eight percent voted for not saying anything right, and there was another one percent who said. Teething gel is a parent placebo anyway, so let them have it, which means, you know, not saying anything. Well, so, so basically, 99% say, don't say anything. Now, those of you who don't know me uh, don't know the fact that 99% being against me has virtually no impact on me whatsoever. And I will say this, okay? I, and I feel that I should. And, you know, I hope we don't, I don't think we'll lose listeners because our listeners are, are open people who accept the idea of disagreement. Look, I actually think that if you do it kindly and you do it without being um, you know pushy, which I don't think that I did, you are serving people around you. Minding your own business is a really interesting term to use during, for example, the me too period. Should we really be minding our own business or should we be caring about the things that are going on around us and being kind when we have something to say? But saying something sitting quietly and expecting other people to take care of themselves I'm not sure is the answer either I think that in our case we were kind of uh, freaked out because we didn't know it's not like uh, 
that people actually look it up because you see teething gel, you hear about teething gel. Right. So we didn't know about it and then our doctor told us and we were panicked and then I read about it. I read that people, I mean, babies died. Babies, babies died? Babies died because of teething gel. It has some sort of anesthesia or whatever that if you put too much, it slips forever. That's not good. Yeah. Um, so we didn't want to take the risk and we were thinking that we were kind of nice. But hey, you know what? Thank you for your for your feedback. I hope some of it was nasty, but if not, you know, uh, there's always was, another time. It was mean. You know, uh, gay, gay people can be mean. <gasps> Especially on the internet. I never knew. Yes. Today we're going to talk about gay dad groups. Um, and I think it's equally as important for the dads as it is to the babies or to the kids. Um, it's good for the kids to be exposed to their families like theirs, of course, but it's also good for the dads because we want to be able to discuss, you know, uh, bottoming. Excuse me? And men. Bottoming and men? What? You know, stuff that gay men discuss between themselves. I see. It's interesting. Uh, okay. Is there anything else that we discuss only with gay people that we don't do with straight people i discuss that stuff with straight people too. no you don't I discuss do. bottoming do you or topping or whatever you know sure topping sure. you discuss the pizza topping i'm an open book but listen i have to tell you that i i thought that this was a really good interview i think he's a great interviewee we're talking about uh, john ireland who is the president of pop luck club yeah and and i i had a few things that you know i i thought that obviously the discussion of the idea of the group of the club is particularly valuable because um you know one of the things we've talked about consistently in each one of these episodes until now is you know we complain a lot about parenting and it's one of the things that helps us get up in the morning is the ability to complain and you 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 need support. You need other people around you who have experience or are going through the same thing that you are. Uh, parenting alone in an isolated way is, I would say it's not only painful, not only difficult, it verges on dangerous. You need to have people to connect to. And some people are lucky and they have parents and large families around them and other friends that have kids of approximately the same age if we you don't, don't well we don't have much of that we've actually developed some of those friends friends recently. i mean no i talked yeah. i talked about family yeah um, and 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 if you don't have that stuff this is a tremendous opportunity for people yeah um and papla club for for those who don't know it's the biggest gay dad group uh, in LA. So we talked to John about the nature of the group, uh, but we also talked about how to form this kind of group in your city if you don't have one. Right. It's like a Tupperware club, only, you know, babies. And John also talked about fostering and adopting because he adopted four kids and fostered six. You know, I wanted to talk about that too. I think that um, we've talked so far in all of the episodes with people who's uh, I think all of their parenting has been at least somewhat different from ours in terms of the way their children came into their lives. Yes. Uh, and what I've taken away from that is, you know, the differences are, at least to me, feel so big that, um, 
you know, when I hear about fostering, I can't even get my head around what that experience must be like. Yeah. You know, we had our, our kids were, were with us within a minute of being born. And I say to myself, wait, what, what would happen if my children became my children when they were uh, four months old? a year old, two years old, and I can't quite get my head around what that must be like. It's so different, or it seems yeah. so different to me. Um, yes, um, so I think uh, we, we'll go straight to the interview. It's very interesting. Uh, John is a charming man, um, and you are. we want to invite you to uh, contact us at hello at daddysqr.com. Uh, if you have any questions or do you need any advice um, or do you want to criticize us? Or, yeah, criticize me. Um, but, but You're also, in the 1%. I'm in the 1%. But, but also, um, I, we encourage you, we really would love your help um, in telling us what you're looking for on this podcast. We have absolutely no limit of nerve. We will go and ask anyone to be our guest if we think that it can be interesting and valuable to our listeners. Um, our listenership, which is up, we're very happy mm -hmm. about that. Yes. Uh, and by the way, speaking of our listenership being up, in addition to contacting us at hello at daddysqr.com with your ideas or criticisms of me, um, I would also please ask you to give us five stars on your part mm -hmm. podcast app yeah. or write us comments. Um, we would love that. Review. Review. Review us. Review. Yes. Review is very important. Um, okay. So to let's go to John. Yeah. Let's do it. Good morning. Good morning. We started. Oh, yes, yeah, I mean, we are starting we now. We started before. <laughs> we can't promise okay. you that nothing will just find its way in. All right. Yeah. How are you doing, John? I'd like to close. Yes, this. please yeah, close the door. Like We're recording it this at the hotel. In an undisclosed location. <laughs> <laughs> they blindfolded me. There was like some burlap sack over my head, and they spirited me in here. Uh, John is very, to me, it's an honor to have you. You're the president of Papla Club. I, d I left my crown at home. I didn't come president. in the full regalia oh, today. We, we have... You know, we have we never travel without some crowns and tiaras, so we'll set you up. It comes with this long train of, of beautiful robes, but I didn't bring them. I want you to tell us a little bit more, because we're going to focus about clubs of dads mm -hmm. around the country, not necessarily in L.A., but in general um so i want you to tell us a little bit like some sort of a background about pop luck sure okay so the the group was founded about 20 years ago we're wow. actually just celebrating two decades of the of the club and i came along uh probably about four or five years into the group so i'm not a founder but we've been very fortunate to have a, a number of the dads that started the whole thing um, still involved on our board and coming to meetings, facil facilitating who, our monthly who meetings. It? Um, there were a group of guys that okay. came together, and um, they named it Potluck Club, like Potluck Club, because right, we yeah. um, we bake our best casseroles and try to impress each other. Um, sometimes we're all disappointed because it's that's slipped a little bit, but we we all bring something. It's you know started in a park in Beverly Hills, around a tree, and nobody had any children. It was just plans, you know, plans oh, wow. for children. Oh, cool. yeah, a lot of hopes and dreams. So that was um, 
a potluck, which we still maintain. We've done it every month since uh, 1998. Wow. <laughs> and uh, essentially, we've always focused on the prospective dad just as much as the uh, dads with kids. Mm-hmm. So about half of our members have kids, and the other half are on the way. And oh, we always have new people. Every month, they're new, and new prospective when dads. When you joined... There mm-hmm. were already were kids or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I came in about year five. Uh, my husband and I had been looking at, at parenting for a long time. We met in college, like mm-hmm. back in early 90s, 91. And then we got married in 93. It took about 10 years before we were really ready. I mean, mm-hmm. we were researching it. We we're kind of taking turns being interested. You know, mm-hmm. like I was really gung-ho about it. And my husband was kind of like less interested. We were both, you know, graduating from college and establishing our careers um, my husband went to law school, so we were busy. We were doing all these things. I started a job right out of college as a teacher, so I was really engaged um, myself. And then eventually, we found Pop Luck, and it was probably two or three years after that that we actually became parents. And that's very mm-hmm. typical. It'll be a number of years that um, that our members typically are researching and heavy research, like. Yeah. Uh, internet research, asking everybody we meet, finding gay dads out there in the world and asking them everything we can get from them to um, find a community. So yeah. that's what Popluck was for us, even though we didn't have kids for the first you know, three or four years. Is there any kind of national organization? No, there, there are some great advocacy organizations, the um, Family Equality Council, mm-hmm. known as FEC, because um, <laughs> yeah, once you get big, you get a great acronym, <laughs> yeah. right? No, the Family Equality Council has, um, I think they've been around just as long as Popluck, they, a couple of different names along the way, but their leadership uh, from the East Coast, I think they're based in Boston, has intertwined with when we get plugged into the national, international community. So there's an International Family Equality Day that Popluck Club celebrates uh, with mm. Family Equality Council. We, we're the local hosts. We put on a party in the park uh, just below the Hollywood sign, and people bring their dogs and their kids, and we have food and mm. bouncy house and all kinds of fun stuff. Got to have a bouncy house. That's right. And Just really, the, the, the point is you have to have a photo opportunity. So we've got the Hollywood sign and kids right, bouncing, right. <laughs> and then you've got pictures from, like, um, Lake Geneva, and they've got the fountain, and all over the world, you know, the... Right. the, the um, uh, the Eiffel Tower, and then you got that Paris group, and so right, it, yeah. th- it's a photo op for an international family equality um, downtown day. Tehran. I haven't done that one. Yet. I, I haven't been, but I'm Let's sure that there's a, a good photo up there. You go first. <laughs> so yeah, there are groups all over, but we are loosely affiliated. There's no yeah. sort of membership um, that's official, but we, mm-hmm. we, we stay connected because we refer people to each other. This is a mobile, uh, global world. Yeah. People move. And right. so um, often we'll get calls from people who've just come from another city or they're going somewhere and we help make introductions to other that's groups. Great. Interesting. How do you manage between being a dad and your job, which you told me about earlier? Yeah. Is, uh, an actor and help that you you say what you do so i i would be remiss to not include that i'm an actor because i'm somebody who lives in los angeles and seems like everybody seems to hide that and then we just admit it um i work uh as an actor i was stage trained and uh work mostly in commercials now but the reality is most of the money comes in through nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Um, i'm just i have to consulting totally see the commercials do you see you see the hair on the face you are so oh you could know what that means (laughs) that means you could pay attention to me for about 30 seconds that'd be about (laughs) the max that's longer than most people's (laughs) attention span i think you're doing fine it's a it's the zone that's a good zone to be in and i can manage remember any script for 30 seconds (laughs) you know so i'm i'm golden with that 
that. No, I came to town and had a lot of luck with commercials. Got it. Um, so oh, I still great. do theater, which I love, and I do TV and film. Um, I'm nothing more fun than going to film festivals with a film. That's been yeah. my um, real joy wow. here in L.A. over the last 20 years. But the reality is I also have some marketable skills outside of the entertainment industry <laughs> like with nonprofit organizations. So yeah. that comes in handy with Poplar Club. Mm-hmm. But I also yeah. work as a consultant to a handful of nonprofits, uh, helping them with board governance and major giving and capital campaigns, that right. sort of thing. So yeah. how does the, this uh, end your job being a dad to four kids oh god really four yes, four wow was it an accident <laughs> well i we didn't give birth to any of them so <laughs> the reality is we were a bit reactive here um uh our first child came to us in 2005 and she was born in 2005 so she was a four-month-old we fostered and adopted And uh, we knew that we wanted to not just foster kids where we would help them out for a while and then they would go away. Right. That was going to be hard for us emotionally. Right. So my husband and I said, we'd prefer not to do that. And every time a social worker would call and say, hey, there's this child available, um, we'd really get down to logistics. Right. Um, again, my husband's an attorney, so we're like, <laughs> so... Uh, have the parental rights been terminated? And how about the, you know, how many foster placements have there been? How old is the child? Uh, you know, all of these uh, factors that you can kind of minimize your trauma if you're not willing to let a child because go. Because you never know, right? When you're fostering, you really don't know. Because in Los Angeles County, we are dual certified to foster mm-hmm. and adopt. So you have to be ready to take a kid who might be there for six months. Right. The reality is my wonderful social worker, who's remained a great friend of ours over the years, she gave us all four of our children. Um, she called one day and said, there's an 18-month-old. Um, she's not going to be able to stay with you forever, but she needs a loving home right now. And it's a really emotional um, set of facts I won't go into fully, but she had been abused. And so the police had removed her, um, and she was sitting in a hospital room, in an emergency room. And she said, just come on by and meet her. Social yeah. workers are tricky. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah. So um, we did, and um, we fell in love with this little girl. And mm-hmm. she came to live with us in West Hollywood. We lived a couple you know, blocks off of the main uh, drag here in Boys Town and <laughs> uh, Melrose and Crescent Heights. And we, oh, yeah, uh, we, we took her off to the West Hollywood Park uh, every couple of days, and we swam. We, we taught her how to swim. She learned how to speak mm-hmm. um, with us. We baked cookies. It was the summer of 2005. And we got a call a couple months later, um, or maybe, yeah, it was two months after she came to us. Guess what? Mom, who is in jail, was pregnant. And she just gave birth. So there's another baby. We're bringing him over. So I, we're like, oh. At that point, oh. you, knew, you knew she's already... <laughs> we didn't know that until... Uh, it was actually a couple of days before the birth. We knew that she was no, but about did, to... But at that point, did you know that you were going to adopt her? Well, yet? the social workers had prepared us to be... Just to do a karma thing. You know, she said, this is your karma kid. You're going to put this out into the world and help this child. And it's going to make you a better parent. Um, but you're not going to be able to adopt, finalize an adoption. And then it turns out, like a couple months into it, they're like, hmm... The family members are not stepping forward. So it wow. looks like you may be able to. Oh, and there's a sibling. So then oh. there's this little baby brother <laughs> who came along in July. And um, and our social worker, who I mentioned, is very savvy. She knew that it was very possible these kids would go back. And we had accepted this. Right. I mean, uh, fundam- logically, not emotionally, but we knew this was a possibility. She said, there's another child who I know will not be reunified. Um, and um, this kid's available in a month. So what, that would mean you'd have three. And I know you live, like we lived in a two-bedroom apartment over a garage. <laughs> That's Hollywood. I mean, we were really tight in there. 
And uh, she said, but this child would be yours. And I don't want you to have to give the other two up and then have you at home alone with no children. Mm -hmm. So we kind of bit the bullet. We're like, okay, we'll have three kids. Three kids in diapers. So we had, um, as of July, I guess, mid-July, we had a 20-month-old, well, a newborn, a 20-month-old, and a four-month-old. <laughs> okay. That was crazy. Yeah. My husband would come home from work, and I would say, okay, I'm going to go sit in the car and listen to NPR for a couple minutes. And I would just go down there <laughs> And, and cry and cry while <laughs> while he was upstairs with the other criers. It was a, a very trying summer. And then by Labor Day, it was so sad. We said goodbye to oh, the wow. to the little to the the two siblings. And the reality is, we thought we were saying goodbye forever. And I secretly packed a little photo, a little family photo of all of us <laughs> in their luggage and dropped them off at their aunt's home. She was adopting them, and she and I had had some conflict at some visits where, like, she. Um, I had to give her the diaper bag and leave the room because this is her baby she was going to change, right? right? So yeah. it was hard. But yeah. but basically she said, and they speak Spanish, and so do we, but our Spanish has gotten a lot better. She said to us, do you have a photo, right, when we were dropping them off? And I sheepishly unzipped the <laughs> suitcase and handed to her, and she brought down the um, picture of the Virgin Mary from the wall and put that picture up right next uh -huh. to their fridge. And that just made us start sobbing, yeah. right? But about a month later, six six weeks later, she called and said, um, they're asking for you. Come on by. Uh, and then there were some birthdays to celebrate. And then there was Christmas. So we took them to see Santa. There are, we're like their uncles. We yeah, right. They are now 15 and 13. Wow. wow. They were our, our newborn and our you know toddler. So they're not our children. And right. it was actually this amazing experience that I only had the strength to endure because of Pop Lock Club and because of our social worker. It, it actually changed uh, me as a parent. It made me a better parent, it made me sort of anticipate the needs of kids mm -hmm. over what my emotions might be in the moment. And uh, so the, the one that stayed with you is the first, is your first out of yes. four? Yes, yeah, that's Emma. Emma's 13 now. So <laughs> yeah, she was four months old and-, and Alex is like. <laughs> I'm just passing out here because there's so many children involved and we only we, have the two. Yeah, we can't like handle two. You know, but okay. And you got you twins, right? Yeah, Is and that, I brought yeah, my parents from Israel to help us during the Yeah, days. smart. Yeah. I wish I, yeah, we fly people I'd like to borrow the them if you, they have no, any extra time. they're spoken for, no. Yeah. We so, like you and all, but no. Now, um, so I had uh, uh, friends who were adopting kids and um, suddenly they get an email and their mom was either in jail or using drugs and they get an email saying, uh, hi, I want to see my kids. I'm I've been clean for a hundred days. Hmm. I'm begging you to see my kids. And, hmm. and I, I would say if I was the parent, I would be, you know, it's frightening because there's, here's the option, the door that you choose whether to sorry, to open or not, yeah. uh, to a possibility where she decides that she's uh, going to war. Well, you know, this comes up a lot in Pop Lock. Uh, we talk about this um, because this is the fear. Um, there is, in general, a traditional approach to adoption of privacy and secrecy and closed, um, just the nature has been very closed. And that's mm -hmm. changed. Mm -hmm. And really, as, as children's rights have come up, like children have a right to know their family are right and if we are agents of cover-up for them right that's not probably going to form the basis of a great parental relationship so what what is really the new best practices and I'm involved with a lot of nonprofit uh, national nonprofits that work on um, 
you know, foster an adoption, kids, and their right to their own information. Mm-hmm. Um, really, that we become the stewards of that information for them. And they're our children. We want what's best for them. And actually, psychologically, what is best for them is to understand their story, their origin story, their, yeah. their, um, the way they came into the world. And even though it's sometimes um, peppered with challenging facts, I mean, there are hard realities about some of our kids' origin stories. Um, it is our job as their parents to introduce that at the right time, psychologically for them, you know, developmentally, what they can understand, and always have them understand um, that it is not less than, because actually the world has always seen adoption as a less than, a secret, uh, something you can tease someone in the playground. Every now and then we're watching a movie in the theater and somebody, you know, says, oh, because you're adopted. And that's the punchline of a right. joke, right? right? Like that would be less than. My kids have experienced that too with me in the room and I watch them for a reaction and then we discuss it. That's where we hit pause and we say, wow, why would they make a joke like that? Is that funny? What's that from? And it used to be a playground um, sneer, you know, uh, you're adopted, that sort of thing. Well, we have raised our kids to know that adoption is a beautiful thing because it created our family. That's how we found each other. And um, so there's some societal baggage that's always gonna come. But this information about a birth mom or birth dad or with siblings, like do we have the same dad? Like maybe we get that information, maybe we don't get that information. Through foster care, you don't always get much information. But to to be assiduous as that uh, uh, steward of the information, to find as much as we can when we can. So when we have an opportunity for a visit Mm -hmm. or that we would talk with that relative, or that biological parent that we, I have always tipped the scales over to, this may make me uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but I am going to gather that information, protect my child, my children from it until they're ready, but bring that into a safe space where I can keep it for them because mm-hmm. it belongs to them. It's not information I'll share with any stranger either. It belongs to my right. children. So mm-hmm. I take that very seriously. I think there's a, a an awakening or an opening of adoption, not that, uh, in that scenario, they would have access to the children because they're not their children. Right. And legally, really, there is no way they're going to fight and get the kids back. The law is very clear. Once an adoption is finalized, it's done. It doesn't mean those parents won't show up some somehow. It doesn't mean they won't find each other through DNA matching at some point sooner than you'd yeah. guess um, or through Facebook or yeah. through an older sibling who was adopted somewhere else and then comes to find them. Right. So there are definitely things that happen and we have to be educated. We have to be prepared for them. Well, so I have this theory uh, about why a lot of this has changed. Um, and uh, it's all thanks to the gays. It's not all thanks. It's, it's not all thanks to the gays, but the gays helped. I think that when I was a kid, the uh, your adopted thing would have been a, 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 you know, a, a thing that you say as a kind of a taunt, mm. absolutely. Um, and any other kind of unusual, hey, I think there was one kid in my elementary school class who was of divorced parents. The mother was a divorcee. I love the word divorcee, by the way. It's just awesome. But anyway, but now, right, what's changed so much is because a lot of people are divorced, because uh, of you know single mother of and single father families, and because of the gays, right? And because of 20 or 30 or 40 years of that coming out into the open, families are just weirder things mm. than they used to be. And there's really, there's no way around it, right? You know, in any given classroom, the idea that, that you know, there's such a large majority of 
you know, kid with biological mom, dad, everyone lives together, everything's yeah. the same, those percentages have dropped dramatically. Yeah. And I think that while that may have some downsides for kids in general, I don't know, it certainly means that all the kids from the previously termed unusual family situations aren't as unusual as they used to be. That's right. And, and, and popular uh, culture reflects that to the yeah. rest of the world where maybe yeah. this hasn't penetrated through to the smallest little insular communities across right. the country. There are certainly still small towns where it'd be hard to find any out gay people sure. or kids who have um, a non-traditional family, although they're there, they might be more closeted. Yeah. Um, popular culture has done wonders because yeah. these next generations have grown up with it as just a matter of fact that um, right. there's diversity. Yeah. I want to just uh, step back a little bit and, and, and try to um, recommend fathers who are living in cities that don't have these mm -hmm. kinds of, we're blessed in LA that we have that, but let's say, mm -hmm. I don't know. Tulsa. We, uh, apparently, Tulsa. Uh, apparently we have a lot of listeners from Dublin. So hello, hello Dublin's. <laughs> Uh, D D Dublin, Ireland? Dublin, Ireland, oh, yeah. Oh, terrific. Um, so let's say that in Dublin, Ireland, for example, they don't have it. What mm -hmm. what do you recommend uh, that they do in order to at least start it? I am surprised how easy it is to start sort of a grassroots organic thing like this. Mm -hmm. Because where there's a need, right, people will show yeah. up. So in Dublin, in Tulsa, really anywhere, I think, uh, it, it, it is to find a tree in a park put out some blankets, bring some food, and then get it into the paper somehow so people understand that's what you're doing. Or put up a sign or yeah. you know, talk through local networks, coffee shop, uh, you know, uh, flyers, that sort of thing. It's, it, it, I am constantly surprised how many people there are who want to start families. And in fact, uh, because we have a family that looks different, our children are African-American, we're Caucasian, we're very publicly a family, a diverse family. Right, so no matter right. where we are, whether we want to be educating anybody at the time or not, uh, people will come and ask. And not just gay people, but yeah. like straight people who um, are interested in fostering or adoption or um, parenting or anything. So or they're I've, just curious as hell because they don't understand how that happened. They're trying to we figure get, that out. Yeah, we get we get a lot of that. Yeah. We get a lot of that. We do. Yeah. The, the triangle, the, the dad to dad to kids. Yes. To yeah. dad to dad to kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're a dad. You have two kids. Like people come well, to right. the gym. Yeah. Random. Yeah. It's sprung okay, out. The children yeah, sprung out of my ear. It's not about us. It's <laughs> all about me. <laughs> The reality is that this could happen uh, any Anywhere. in any city that you're just visible. You just put your stake in the grass and say, I'm here, and right. this is something we're doing. And what is remarkable is the goodwill that comes from it, because people who never thought they would find that find their way to you pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. You have to be creative to get the word out. Like Pop-Up yeah. Club had a kind of, I think we had a crisis about 10 years ago where people didn't really know who we were and there were a bunch of new gay dads, but they'd never heard of Pop-Up. Right. So we did a, a bus shelter campaign. We actually did pictures wow. of dads holding up our kids um, and we put them in bus shelters, you know, so they were visible not only to the people getting on the bus and on the bus, but on the streets. Right, right. And because it's such a driving culture, it's millions of hits, right? Mm -hmm. The impressions we were having from these bus shelter ads, which are pretty affordable. Then we elevated them up to the banners on the uh, street lights. Right. Yeah. We partnered with other nonprofits who could get a better discount. Yeah. We're a nonprofit, but um, we could uh, partner with another museum or other sort of institution and use their buying power to right. put them on more. So we were all over the place. We were from Long Beach up to um, uh, Valencia. 
There were pictures of gay dads, very clear in the picture, gay dads with children. Mm -hmm. Um, And that sort of visual image, um, if you don't have money for an ad campaign, (laughs) you know, just sit out in the park and people will see it. And once you put something out on the web, they'll find you too. I mean, people will Google like crazy to find resources. And Mm -hmm. I think you don't have to have much of an infrastructure to become yeah. a support group for parents, to be You can also write community. to us at hello at daddysqr.com and we'll put it up for you. Do you actually have events that are focused more on the prospective parents and events that are more, let's stand around and you know complain about how our lives have turned into a living hell and drunk all the time? <laughs> we need time for all that, you're right. Um, it changes based on the population of the club, based on who shows up to the meetings even. So right. for instance, we had this period of time where we were doing all these birthday parties. You know, like uh, people would bring their toddlers, uh, uh, maybe like two years old to eight. And we had a lot of engagement. We would hire a coach to come and like play with the kids out on the grass with us. We were there and they were kicking the ball back and forth and making goals and throwing things and having a great interactive time in the park, right? We meet inside in our room and then we go out to the park with right. the kids. So um, that changes with time. So right now we have fewer kids in that age group. We kind of have waves and they mm-hmm. kind of work their way up. Once they're in, um, you know, later elementary to middle, they got other things to do. They're in sports yeah. on the weekends. Sometimes families will just be gone from Poplock for a while and then they'll come back uh, later. We also happen during nap time. So there are a lot of dads who have these new kids who are sound asleep during that time. If they can sleep in a lap or in a stroller, then they'll bring them. If yeah. they can't, then they don't come to the club for a couple right. of years right. <laughs> until yeah. the kids aren't napping yeah. anymore. So it sort of ebbs and flows. And the reality is, um, I think it's very important to always create a safe space for the people without kids. So every email we ever send reminds them. This is also very focused on prospective parenting. So when we march in the Pride Parade, which is what we do every June here in West Hollywood, half of our group doesn't have kids. Right. And I want everyone to understand, like, that's part of it. We're on a path. It's not like you just are a member once you get your child. Because the reality is, it can take a while, and sometimes... Um, it takes much longer than you anticipate. So right. we, we don't want people to feel like they only become real once they've got children. Sure. We're, we're all leading complicated lives with variables that we can help each other out. So the magic happens when, especially in our uh, monthly support meetings, where like somebody brings their baby and then inevitably something's happening or they've got twins and they just sort of hand the baby off to the the prospective dad next to him and here's the bottle just all that and there's kind of a magic thing that happens because dads without kids i was one i remember you're a little tentative around other people's kids yeah i think in a way we've been taught also like maybe that's not our expertise and part of becoming a gay dad really is claiming that like Mm -hmm. i'm the best dad there is i mean this is really you know we experience when we go out on our you um, can have that title by the way because i am not (laughs) (laughs) well i don't mean to oversell myself i (laughs) definitely have some flaws but the reality is when when gay dads show up and we're walking through the mall and a bunch of ladies walk by inevitably you've probably heard it is it mom's day off yes Mm -hmm. yes i've heard that and my my whole life and my retort my answer is Every day is my right, okay, right? Yeah. So like, and I got that diaper too. I don't need anybody to change my kid right. for me. Every woman of every age believes that they should step in and just help me change my, I mean, after four kids, yeah. I really have the diaper thing figured out one handed and I can, you know, juggle with the other and one. And you're not going to just take advantage of their offer anyway? Sometimes I do. Yeah, okay, Sometimes good. I'm like, oh, which part? Uh, right. Because the Velcro and I don't know. Oh, is that? How, how does your kids behave in these events? Because you're the president yeah. of the club, so they feel like 
they have some sort of responsibility. Like Donald Jr. Oh just, my God. Just oh, like don't, that. No, not good. Don't make no, no. Don't do that. The reality is, I think they take it pretty seriously. I've got a, um, my kids are uh, two, four, 10, and 13. Wow. And yeah. the, they've all grown up on Poplar. I mean, f- since they were babies. And so the 10 and the 13-year-old are kind of like ambassadors. They they'll give a tour when the new dads show up. Mm-hmm. They'll welcome them at the door oh, and wow. say, oh, you can put your food over there. We're going to start eating at about 1. Come on, sit, or at 12.30, come sit over here. Uh, we start at 11 o'clock, talk for about 90 minutes, and then start our food. And so my older kids are kind of like hosts. That's and they great, also love yeah. to make friends. And, you know, they bring their coolest toys, and they want to see what the other kids bring. So... You know, for them, it's one of the funnest Sundays of the month because they have an instant community and they mm-hmm. see the same kids month after month and they grow up with those kids. Let me switch gears for a second and ask about the prospective parents again. So um, it feels like there are some lines where you don't know enough. Maybe you don't know enough. Maybe you shouldn't go into this without knowing more. Mm-hmm. What is the right thing to do for a prospective parent so that they're in some way capable of making a decision that is, I don't know whether I can even use the term informed, that is that is a good decision? That is probably the biggest, the best question about this endeavor because I think most of us think, I'll do that when I have a... <laughs> Got my career solid. Yeah. B. Husband. Ha- have, yeah, I'm partnered. C. I've got a great house. Own my house. <laughs> Big enough yeah. for kids, right? Uh, D. I have no problems in the world. Uh, you know, get my uh, desk clear. I mean, mm-hmm. right. Really, Whatever those when things are. When are you going to get there? Uh, uh, who is ever ready? Right. And in the heterosexual model, right, um, babies happen, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we call this intentional parenting because right. you can't accidentally have children as a gay man. It right. doesn't just you can try, but <laughs> it just right. doesn't happen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And many do try. <laughs> We've <laughs> tried for Regularly, a long time. Uh, fervently. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the reality is it's intentional. We make a decision yeah. and we have to take steps. And those steps can often entail money, yep. a lot of money, an investment, a significant financial investment. Not always because there are routes to parent, to, to becoming a parent that that um, don't, don't cost, like fostering is like a zero cost, essentially. Right. But it still costs to raise children. I mean, it's <laughs> it's expensive to have children, just like it's expensive to live. Yeah. Um, but that is a question always. People come in, they're like, well, we're not sure we're quite ready. And so there's the emotional ready, or the financially ready, or organizationally ready, and your life ready. Are your parents, are you getting a lot of pressure from the grandparents to be, you know? Yep. Um, there are lots of reasons why people show up to a meeting, but there's no way to accidentally become a, a parent. I, it's it's a little different dynamic for us. There's been a lot of research and a lot of um, emotional preparation. So, I mean, what I think our role is, as the seasoned dads in the group, is to let them know, like, your life is gonna change. Right. We often recommend that people go on trips and to movies and stay out late and do everything they can before the baby shows up. <laughs> right. You know, almost like a rumsprung, is it, the, that the um, Amish have? There's oh, this where they roam around. It, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you're like raised in the faith, and then when you turn 16 or 17, you go away for a year and you do everything. Right. You smoke and drink and have sex and everything. And then it's your choice to give that up to go back in. So we were kind of like, go out and do your thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as much as you can imagine, you wouldn't be able to take a baby to, go do that. 
And uh, once you're satisfied that you're not losing something, because you don't want to be dis- you don't want to be mad at a kid right. for taking yeah. away your West Hollywood life, because right. there is a West Hollywood life yeah. that you we can't really have them. with children. Yeah. I mean, well, look. So I, I I I was told everything that uh, you've just said by my brother who has four kids, um, and uh, about six months into our twins lives i was on the phone with him he lives in israel i was on the phone with him crying hysterically while pushing them around the neighborhood and the stroller and i said to him why didn't you tell me what this was going to be like and he was like what what are you talking about i told you everything and i said no you told me but you weren't like hitting me over the head with the hammer at the same time as you said it because my point is right that the words what you just said about go have a good time because blah 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 who's gonna listen or who can really understand that until they've had the Especially if somebody hands you their baby while they're busy getting something out of the diaper bag. Because I don't know about you, but there are chemicals that are released for me when I hold a baby. Mm -hmm. And while I've had so many babies now, I mean like six babies that I've been in charge of, and and they've all grown out of diapers at this point, thank God. Um, I still have some around, but we don't use them. So um, They're waiting for you for about 20 years from now. I don't think these are going to fit me, but maybe. Um, Yes. Or sooner, but, um, but but there's something that happens. It's kind of like giving birth. They say that the women go through so much pain, but then they forget it. It's right. like you have amnesia. The reality is, if you are meant to parent, it's going to override your other senses, your other logical reasoning. Uh, I, I do think. Stop thinking about yourself. I am thinking about no. What do you mean? What else? What other frame of reference do I have? I have to say, I I don't. We've we've had a few guests yet yeah. so far. I don't know that I've disagreed with one yet. Uh-oh. I'm not sure I agree with you. Well, Look, well, first of all, there are plenty of this is a terrible thing, but there are plenty of parents who fuck it up completely. Yes, right. And those parents actually end up being taken away from their children, so yes. or their children get taken away from them sometimes. So they they weren't ready. Mm-hmm. That's number one. And number two, then there are people who. Um, become ready, but they only become ready, oh, to 18 months to two years after the children are born, speaking <clears throat> of myself here, because the shock and the lack of preparedness was so profound. I don't know whether there's another way. Well, look, I agree with you in that not everyone's meant to parent. Not everybody has the skill set, and they may have convinced themselves that that's in their life story, and right. then they get there and realize they're in over their heads. And that's why part of the preparation is knowing that you have a support network, like a brother who's yeah. gone through it, like relatives who will come and stay and yeah. help you, um, and a club of guys around who will help you. I right. mean, uh, we help each other with childcare too. You know, like we not only that's recommend awesome. great. Um, child care, but we will take a, a friend's kid. I had a kid live with us for a week because his dad was a teacher and he was taking his sixth graders to DC. Wow. So, but that was wonderful because that helped us uh, become closer and right. our kids love each other. And so, like, this is a support network helps you get through the reality, which is parenting is not easy. For some people, it's easier than for others. But I do feel that nothing will stop you from becoming a parent if you have this in you. Because, and if it does stop you, you'll be pretty dissatisfied. Right, yeah. In your life. I mean, there are a lot of things like that in life. You like, what Mm. is my dream? And once you get your finger on that, you know, if you can pinpoint that, there are ways to give you the best advantage going through something that is very difficult. Right. But, and I will say that it's, it's important to realize that people may have one idea 
and they need to be disabused of those ideas. They need to get some reality. Right. So part of Poplock 2 is like letting them experience the tougher part. We don't shy away from the sad stories. Right. Like, I encourage people, I recruit for the foster adoption. I mean, I go out and I try to prepare people and get them signed up to go through fostering. And I never hide the story that I was heartbroken when I had to say goodbye to those two children. Mm -hmm. I can, um, add in that we it wasn't goodbye it felt like goodbye and so in our case it worked but i can't promise that's right. going to happen for them yeah. they have to be realistic about it that this is not easy same thing with any approach to like surrogacy mm -hmm. oh it seems like you're in control of all these uh variables but you're not things can go wrong things can prevent you from being successful in any yeah. one of these paths but i do feel like once you get there once you've got the kids all the rest of that just fades away. It doesn't matter how much it costs, how long it took, all your uh, adversity. Uh, what really matters is the kid's crying and needs some food. <laughs> the new adversity. And, <laughs> and the look on that kid's face as they grow up yeah. in, into your eyes and you're there, everything. I mean, that they say kids don't say thanks for, for raising me, Dad. But actually, I think we... We have to see those thanks. They do come, and they do actually say it. <laughs> I have kids old enough to actually thank me yeah. for things, and I'm surprised <laughs> when they do. But, I mean, holding a child knowing that you are that child's link to survival, it's primal. It's real. Yeah. And then when they get cut, when they fall down and hurt their knee, and they run to you, or, like, I kiss boo-boos all the time. Like, somebody gets hurt, and it's like, yeah. let me kiss it. Yeah. And people around me, the adults are like... People without kids, they they don't really understand like there's magical thinking. So seriously, kiss it. Yeah. so wherever that is, I'm gonna kiss it, <laughs> yeah. and then that kid's fine. Yeah, they're totally fine. When a kid yeah. is exhausted, all they have to do is run over, get a little hug from me, and then they're ready to go. Right. Again. So that's kind of superpower. Yeah, that's a superpower. That's an, something that I know that as life goes on, things won't be perfect. I know that with four kids, we're gonna experience some real challenges um, we still we have but we're gonna have more we're getting into teenage years now We've got one teenager yeah. almost two so it's gonna be harder and i may have some more regrets <laughs> i'm not <laughs> saying it comes without regrets either um not global regrets but like for specific yeah. decisions and things but um i think that what we get back from parenting is so much more than what we give so the poplar currently has on facebook 446 members mm -hmm. Um, how many of them, by the way, uh, show up to the to the events? Not everybody, thank God. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't get them all at once. Um, we have between 15 and 30 people at each mm -hmm. potluck meeting, unless we're doing a specific uh, thing. Like quarterly, usually we have a panel discussion mm. about topics that are really current for us. So it mm -hmm. might be about school, picking the right school. Um, we, we do like financial and legal seminars. We have guests come in and talk about, especially before we had marriage equality, yeah. how to protect your um, children. Because really you had to do that with contracts. Right. Yes. Um, and then uh, my favorite, Girls 101. Because not all gay men know a bunch about girls. You know, um, <laughs> about like uh, bubble bath is not good for little baby girls in the tub. Oh, like, oh. There are things yeah. with vaginas that yeah. I didn't understand. Right. And now I do. Our friends um, had to go through a seminar. Yeah. Vagina seminar. Do you know that that's great? They call it vagina in, seminar because we no, we not, call it, I call it that. We call it girls one hundred and one, but that's that, basically what it is. Right. And I mean, like even wiping a diaper, a dirty diaper, is different for a girl. Right. I mean, you've got to wipe away in a way that with yeah, a boy right. you don't. Well, so, gay, gay men understand J Lo and share. They don't have a vagina. Well, we don't know what they have. <laughs> we don't actually want to know. Um, uh, and, and so anyway, that's a really fun. Uh, we have uh, one of our favorite lesbians, uh, lesbian moms, come in and, and talk turkey about uh, raising our girls. Really and it's funny. really great to have that 
experience. So we get more at that. We'll get right. 40, 50 people of that. Our well, Christmas, and the Father's Day thing had to have been. Father's was Day was 150 this yeah, year. Yeah, that was great. It's getting mm-hmm. bigger every year. We've had eight years. And then Santa comes every December. So we've got people with mm-hmm. their sonograms and, <laughs> and their infants and their 13-year-olds you know, sitting on Santa's lap. Um, when Santa we, Santa comes to gay households. Oh, well, he I comes to no the pop up club meeting. Oh, okay, and, fine. And we went with hunky Santa one year, <laughs> and then just more traditional white beard Santa. And this year, it's black Santa. So oh. we've got uh, <laughs> we've got a wide variety of activities throughout the year, and we right. can have you know two hundred people at those. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Four four hundred something members. It's very. I mean, on Facebook, it's mm-hmm. kind of uh, impressive, yeah. but uh, the fact that not everybody comment or mm-hmm. really show up to events is it hard to translate the you know the existence on facebook into real life actually bond it ebbs and flows i think you know there were there have been times where we when the board would meet and we'd be like oh we need more comments on our facebook page we need more activity we need more people to show up to our meetings or we need this or that the reality is we respond to the need and right. i'm okay with that i mean we always come with enough plates and forks to manage you know, food for uh, 50 people if they show up or uh, 10 if it's, uh, um, there was a holiday. We had a holiday last month and so it was small. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think I've, I've seasoned over the 10 years or so that I've been really engaged with Pop Club is not to put too much expectation and to just see what comes up through it and, mm-hmm. and be open to the suggestions and, and solicit the feedback. So you guys want to have somebody come and do a bubble show? Okay. How many kids with three years and older are ready to bring their kid? You know, commit and right. then we'll we'll do it. Because we're a nonprofit. We raise money. We have money. We can our our means are very minimal or simple, but um, you know, we can afford to pay somebody to come in and do a show. And so once we get the feedback, that's what they want. We do it. So there are almost 500 Facebook members. We have about 1,000 on our Yahoo group. Mm-hmm. And um, we haven't done a survey for a while, but three years ago, we reached our 500th kid that came through Pop. Oh, that's great. Yeah, wow. from that first one baby who was born to um, Andrew uh, Rakos. He runs uh, Fountain Day School um, oh. here oh. in West Hollywood. Um, he is amazing with children. He's also amazing with an 18-year-old because mm-hmm. that's the first baby. Um, yeah. Through Pop Up Club. Now we've also had. This reminds me of what you asked earlier about maybe not being prepared for parenthood. There are plenty of dads. I can see it coming in the door. They do not want infants, and that's great oh, because right. there are so many kids in the foster care system who are already three or mm. already ten. And believe it or not, there are dads who come to prospective dads who come to us in their fifties, sixties, and they're like, "I want a parent, but I don't want to be eighty when my kid graduates from high school." In which toilet case, trained. they have to be toilet trained. We connect. <laughs> That's them, not the bad we thing. We connect them with the foster youth who are, in many cases, LGBT and very hard to place because right. gay kids pop out of foster care all the time. It's not. It's ugly. It's not right. It's wrong for foster families to do it, but it happens. Yeah. These kids basically get pushed out of their foster homes. So uh, Raise a Child is really a great partner in this. But Pop Luck, we regularly get messages about a 16 year old or a 13 year old who uh, needs a place and they need a family that's not going to judge them. Yeah. And we're the right place. Yeah. We got a lot of people who are ready for that. That's great. 
Thank you so much, John. It's been a very insightful conversation. Thanks for having uh, me. And I great. love your podcast. It's oh, really informative and it's engaging. I've, I've subscribed. Thank you. <laughs> thank well, so. we, we want you and everybody who listens uh, to, well, you don't have to do it via email, but everyone else does. Hello at daddysqr.com to tell us how we should do more, what we should do. We, we really want input about how to make this useful and fun and something that you'll listen to in the car on the way to work instead of politics because politics is doomed. Whereas parenthood is not. <laughs> I'm really glad your audience is growing because yeah. there is an audience out there for this. I, I'm really excited to see it grow. Awesome. Thank Hello, you. Dublin. Okay. All right, Dublin. <laughs> yes. Bye. All right. That was John. Um, Alex, did you have some notes? Oh, I took notes. Oh, good. Of course, good. I took notes. Um, I thought there were a few things that really um, fascinated me. What I talked about uh, earlier on before the interview about how different it was to hear uh, his description of the fostering process and fostering and adoption process from the way we did it. I think is amazing and I would love to hear from our listeners about the different ways that children have ended up in their lives um, because the comparison between those experiences is fascinating to me. Um, I liked really the discussion that we had about whether or not how do you find out whether you're ready to have kids um, and uh, yeah. you know there's there's a, a little bit of conflict there I don't think it's really conflict but I do think that um, the the notion that everyone should have them is probably not true I don't know how you find out but one thing is for sure I love the balance in uh, pop lug club between people who have kids and people who are thinking of have yeah I wanted kids. to kind of uh, really touch extensively on that because the perspective dad parents this is this was something that enlightened me in a way we should start thinking of it uh, this way that perspective dads are part of our community even before they have kids so you become part of this gay dads community um, when you decide you want to have kids so that's puts you on a path um, that you'll end up you know being a gay dad but it doesn't matter where are you on the, on this path but since you want to start or you want to join the community you are part of it and I think that's lovely and it's really good especially for people for prospective dads who want to like he said uh, get all of the information they need in order to decide what to do sure uh, and how to do it whether to do it yes yeah so I think we should include them in our community too I think so too and I think by the way dads. we should probably put a little bit of energy ourselves into taking advantage of Pop Luck Club more than we do mm -hmm. yeah. um you know, we, we've been, I think, three times um, to three different events, one before the kids were uh, born, actually, and then two since then, and I think we should do more of that. Yes, and but we also have a mini gay dads group of ourselves. Of our own, yeah. So, and I want to give that as a kind of idea to our listeners, too. If you don't have a group in your own environment, even if you start with two couples, you and another couple, that's already a group. It's huge. So we met another gay couple like this, and then they knew another gay couple. So we started as a three couples group uh, on a WhatsApp. 
Yeah, that was so easy and so, and it still is. It's growing. Like yep. we're adding more and more couples, um, and um, so it's very easy to kind of plan things together um, and to ask each other questions. Um, about and, teething gel <laughs> and run comments yeah and and I think that uh, I mean it's different this is much more about socializing than the kind of things that the the pop love club does but I think that all of these are valuable and the the ultimate takeaway of all of it is it's not a good idea to do parenting alone mm-hmm. yes uh, last thing I want to mention is the dad superpowers. That's so cute that he talked yeah. about that. Yeah. Mwah, I'll kiss it. <laughs> I'll kiss it. Um, so, yes, we have superpowers. And it's great and it's amazing and it's wonderful. And um, it's so true. Uh, use them. Last thing uh, that we're going to do before you go is the sage advice. It's a new section, small and sweet at the end, where we give you stupid advice. Stupid? No, no. Alex, do you want to introduce that? Um, I would love to had I actually been prepared for this, which oh, I was no. not. If you'll give me 20 seconds, I will think so of I'll my sage advice. So I'll give advice. I'll tell you a story. Um, so our kids had um, a day this week on Monday when they didn't want to go to school. Um, and we didn't know what to do. Uh, we took them crying and screaming, and then we met a teacher, Sarah. There, Sarah, thank you, Sarah, who gave us this uh, wonderful idea of creating a book that they can flip through and kind of understand the process through pictures. So the next day, I documented the process of going to school, getting up, picture, uh, drinking milk, picture, getting dressed, picture, like took pictures of all the steps on the way that we did, I sent them to Shutterfly, and I really recommend to use Shutterfly. Uh, it doesn't have to be, by the way, on going to school. It could be in anywhere, like going to the bath, whatever, if they don't like to do something. You take all this picture, Shutterf- you arrange them in a book, print it on Shutterfly. We got it Thursday, and it was great. Um, and seeing it as a book, I think it's, uh, it's very helpful, and it's uh, kind of uh, made them feel like they're famous i don't know right like Part, a, yeah they, they are the story yeah. i thought that was brilliant advice thank you sarah yes um and uh mine is this uh it's a little it's a little fuzzier um a lot of people who become parents especially when their kids start to talk think that everything that the child asks or asks for the answer has to be clear you know i want a cookie I want to play with the razor blades. And the answer has to be yes or no. And so I went by that model uh, for quite a while. And then I started to see how my husband, Jan, was doing it. And I realized that there is a lot of power in, I don't want to call it lying, that's so ugly. Uh, There's a lot of power in softening your answer uh, to, to say things like, maybe we'll do it later, or maybe, or later, things like that that don't immediately cause this kind of uh, challenge and reaction. Um, And while on one hand, I really want my kids to become more comfortable with yes and no, I think that there are times where that's a good thing. And there are other times where all you're doing is setting up conflict where there really is no need. Uh, So uh, get a little bit more comfortable with saying maybe later. 
So that's it for this week. Uh, uh, please rate and review us to increase the visibility of this podcast and help reach all those dads and maybe gay men who think about becoming dads. I know you don't like that I'm reading this, but... He's also this. in the he's actually in the position of shaking pom-poms with his arms out right now while he while he reads it Woo. hey also who who did the music that we're using for the podcast you don't remember do you no it's on the it's on the page every, okay every week. well thank you <laughs> hello at daddysqr.com thanks guys write us hey Alex bye hey Oh, did I, didn't I say goodbye? Yeah, we goodbye. never say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.